Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to be breaking down the Masters Tournament with you this week alongside Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar. Guys, welcome into Masters Week. Hello to all our friends out there, and let's get ready to give out some winners. We'll start with you, Nick. What's your best bet for the Masters this week? I'm going to go Alex Norin, top 40 plus 125. I was going to get a little aggressive, go top 20, but I'll be conservative to start to show top 40. How about you, Spencer? Let's have some fun with it. It's Masters Week, and I'm sure people out there would like to hear a Tiger Woods answer here. So uh, you might have to shop around a little bit to find this wager. Uh, It is out there at multiple locations, and the price will differ from spot to spot. But let's go with Tiger Woods to defeat Sergio Garcia. I will take the bad end of the number there, and let's say that's minus 110. All right, so a battle between two former Masters champions there. I'm going to go and fade another live golfer just like you, Spencer, and I'm going to take Cameron Smith minus 120 on bet 365 for 21st or worse. So before we get into those live fades, Nick, why do you like Alex Noren this week? So Noren's actually coming off the best uh, iron play streak of his career since I believe going back to like 2018 or 2017 when I had looked at it. So um, it's more of a number grab for me. I had the number at minus 105 for the top 40 market. So to get 30 points of value. Is something I'm always interested in, but again, it's the uh, the recent iron form for Alex Noren. I think that the public's not really on him at all. It's getting some inflated numbers there. You can get five to one in the top twenty market as well, and I love the short game. So as long as that iron play is the best it's been in his career for years, I, I'm going to ride that form coming into Augusta. We don't have a ton of course history with Noren, but I'm going to ride that iron play because I trust the short game a ton. I like the play, Spencer. Uh, why do you like Tiger over Sergio? So I'm going to trust the course history here with Tiger and I, he grades fine in my model. Like that's one of the intriguing things when I ran my data this week, like from a safety perspective, you would expect no different with Tiger at this tournament, but he was inside the top 35 for me. Um, but it really comes down to so, and I'll name some of the players here. Cause I think it might be good practice just to, to have these names mentioned. Um, there were a lot of golfers that were extremely 
poorly rated when it comes to golfers that I would want to take on or fade in a head-to-head matchup. So in order, and this is in the order of how overrated they were in price, uh, Sergio Garcia was the most mispriced guy in my model. Billy Horschel was second. Brooks Kepka was third. Mito Pereira was fourth. Shane Lowry was fifth. And then you kind of get this group of a bunch of live guys in Louie and Dustin all the way down to a Cameron Young, who my model thought was a little overrated for what his skill set is for this venue. And then uh, the Min Woo Lees and the Corey Connors down there. So, I mean, that's a handful of guys to at least consider taking on. But I mean, as everybody knows, at the end of the day with me and head to head matchups, I'm always trying to find opponents to fade rather than ones that I'm going to want to be backing in these spots. And uh, Sergio kind of fit the perfect thing there where I had a golfer with Tiger that I was okay trying to back in a situation. And then a golfer in Sergio that, I mean, really, if you take away his victory a handful of years ago, since that win, he's not really been great at this tournament. 23rd last year, a handful of missed cuts uh, before that tournament last year. And it kind of just comes down to he's nearly dead last in my model on fast bent grass greens. Um, obviously the data perspective from all these live golfers, there's question marks to be found because we don't know exactly where they are with their game. But if I use the sample size that I do have on him, he's inside the bottom 15 for me and strokes expected strokes gain total here. So I just think that the floor in this situation for Sergio is extremely discouraging. And if Tiger's health can just be marginal and that's all I want from him, just get yourself in the weekend be able to play four rounds. Don't withdraw from the tournament. I really think Tiger has a chance to where not only should he have been above the minus 110, and there's numbers that have been even lower than that. He was a plus number at some point yesterday at books with that. But, you know, I had a more in the minus 130, minus 135 range as being proper. So no matter where you find that price, it should still have value. I like it. I'm going to tail both of these best bets that you guys mentioned. Uh, I really like the Tiger bet. I didn't want to bet him to make the cut at such a heavy heavily juiced number that just keeps going up right now. Yeah. Um, I saw it open around like minus 140 and I've seen it over minus 250 at other places. I also seen some weird lines where his top 40 line was like minus 350 and his make the cut was like minus 220. Doesn't make any sense. Um <laughs> anyway, um I want to bet on Tiger Woods this week. I don't like Sergio Garcia. I think this is a great way of doing it. Better way of doing the Tiger to make the cut bet uh with Sergio being someone who I think has quite a bit of miscut equity as you mentioned he's one of the most overrated player in your model, Spencer. So I like that one. Uh, with my play, I'm going to fade Cameron Smith. He just doesn't have it right now. Pretty weird. His swing isn't where he wants it to be. He mentioned that in his press conference earlier this week that he just doesn't have his game in great form right now. He has great history, but I think that is pushing him up. And of course, that win at the Open Championship the last time a lot of people saw him. Uh, of course, he played a few events in the FedEx Cup playoffs, but didn't do very well after that. He's been cut in each of his last two tournaments that have had a cut. So obviously no live, but that came at the Australian Open in the in I think it was December, and then also at the Saudi International where Abraham Anser bested Cam Young. And he's also been outside the top 25 out of 48 players in the last two live events, including the one this past weekend. So just poor form for Cameron Smith. The flat stick can only do so much for him. So I'm going to fade him at 21st or worse. I would like to say that your play, Roberto, and Nick's play of Alex Noren, I think those are two very savvy wagers of ways to approach it. And 
Uh, I'll let Nick talk about Cameron Smith because he had um, some good comments that he was telling me earlier about just where his game is at and where his mind is at in certain positions with mm -hmm. it. But I, I tend to agree with you on a lot of these live golfers. And I think that's one of the interesting things to note, whether that be from a DFS perspective or from a gambling perspective here. A lot of these golfers near the top of the board. So that would be primarily Dustin and Cameron Smith. I think they might be getting a little bit too boosted by the general public. They're golfers that we know historically, yes, they've been top 10 players. Yes, they're major championship winners. They're guys that have massive upside to them. But I don't know if necessarily what they've been in years past. And I want to throw Kepka into that mix too. I, I know he just won the Live Golf Tournament. But I don't know if those guys are exactly what they've been in years past. And then when you go really far down the board, you have golfers like Taylor Gooch and Harold Varner III and... I mean, I guess we'll stick to those two right now. I kind of think they're undervalued in a lot of ways in these markets. So uh, those would be more of the the options that I would be looking like. If you wanted to get exposure to live golfers, do it to the guys that are way far down the board. I'm not saying they're going to win the golf tournament, but you might be able to get an enhanced number, whether that be on a placement bet, a head-to-head -head wager, or for any other market that we're talking about. That's kind of a non-outright sector there. Nick, did you want to touch on Cam Smith? No, I mean it's it's just funny. Like I've heard him on a on PGA Tour radio and another podcast. Just said that he's more interested in in fishing and drink a beer. Like he's living <laughs> a dream. Like if he's got nothing else to prove to the world, in his opinion, then God bless him. You know, he's had a fantastic short career on the PGA Tour. He's making a ton of money on Live. And if he says his swing is not where it is, I trust him. I I don't think like he's just saying that for all noise and then it's going to come out in top ten and tell the world. You know, Live Golf is still where you can go to improve your game. I don't think he's, you know, messing with anybody. I think I truly believe him in exactly the same way you did too. Like when he says his swing's not where it wants to be, I don't think he's sugarcoating it because I don't think he cares a whole lot. It's a little bit different uh, because an injury derailed one guy and live golf derailed the other, but uh, he is the Penny Hardaway in my eyes of the PGA Tour. He's a player who had all the talent in the world. You expected big things. And obviously with Penny, injury derailed him with Cameron Smith. He seems to kind of have derailed himself in this situation where, you know, he took money and he made an executive decision in his mind that he thought was the right move there. But I'm unfortunately thinking for a lot of these golfers, it is going to hurt their potential in these major championships. They're just, I can't imagine, like, I think all of us here have played sports before and, you know, at a decently high level with it. And when you're not like in the zone, if you're not match tough, if you're not competitive in these situations, like, yeah, I understand these live golf tournaments are still competition, but they're they're exhibitions at the end of the day that are 54 hole cuts or not even cuts. They're 54 hole tournaments that you're really looking at these spots where I don't know where the competitive edge is. You're getting paid all this money up front. So until they prove me wrong on that, I'm kind of fine just going the other direction and fading them in these spots. And it's going to be tough from going to and playing Muni's last few weeks for them to playing at Augusta National, where yeah. the greens are going to be a little bit faster. Uh, this week. <laughs> a little uh, bit. Guys, let's get into our outright cards, and we'll start with you, Nick. Who you got winning this week at Augusta? Uh, you want the lock of the year? It's Alex Noren, 350 to 1, <laughs> 340 to 1. Sorry, it's price is still out there. Um, I know I don't think we've ever seen a winner over or longer than 70 to one based on what Evan from the Action Network was talking about yesterday. Maybe, I guess, if you got Danny Willett in early, like before the, the betting boards open for that week, um, you could probably get 100 to one. I think he was listed at in the futures. But other than that, like you're probably 
pissing away money betting 340 to one on Alex Noren, but just a number grab for me. I had him at 210. I don't think I've ever had 130 points of value on an outright ticket. So by default, I had to do it. But um, other than that, I got another gimmicky one. I took Tiger at 85 to one. I got him at 71 to one. It's not like I'm a, obviously everybody loves Tiger, Tiger on the golf course at least. And um, I really liked what he did at Genesis. His long iron play was awesome. He lost strokes around the green, which I think is not like Tiger Woods. And especially on this course, which he knows so well, probably knows every little crevice. I trust him here. I don't think he'll actually win, but I cannot miss a ticket at 85 to one when my numbers have him at 71 to one. Also, probably another burning money ticket. Tyrrell Hatton, 65 to 1. I like Hatton a lot. We could talk about that a little bit later. Um, but my realistic play, if it's not Rory, like my numbers absolutely love Rory. I mean, I've ran it sometimes where I got him all the way down to six to one. Um, there's wow. just no value in the betting board for me there. Like maybe you could take him, I think, 12 to 1 first round leader if you wanted to do that, but I'm kind of against that market as a whole. I like Tony Finau a ton. Best price in the market right now is 25 to 1. You could find that um, multiple different locations, but I think Finau's got some real legs here, and uh, I, I really like where his game's at. So I'm going to go Tony Finau as my realistic answer. But if Alex Noren wins at 340 to one, um, you guys will probably never hear from me again. Except I'll send like some <laughs> cards from Costa Rica or wherever I move, and then with some golf invites at whatever country club I could uh, could purchase at that point. So maybe we'll do the show live from there. Can I, can I say one thing about Alex Noren? And I also have a wager on him uh, to win this at 340 to one, but <laughs> you kind of mentioned this name already, Nick. And, and I think it's a very intriguing person to try to compare him to. So when I back tested this and I tried to compare who his game set or skill set was most similar to, it was actually Danny Willett in 2016. There mm. wasn't that big of a profile difference between those two golfers and how I ran my numbers. And, uh, I was even a little bit more aggressive where I had proper on Alex Noren at 150 to one. And like, I don't know if he can technically win this tournament. Um, there's problems on all fronts with that. And historically it's one of those events where usually the cream does rise to the top at the end of the day. And probably the best way to play this is as a top 40 or a top 30 or however you want to push this up the board with it. But I just wanted to throw that out there that his skill set was the most similar in my model to Danny Willett in a lot of facets of how I ran it. And uh, that's at least intriguing. It also took one of the biggest implosions of all time for Danny Willett to win that event. So Alex Noren might need something in that regard also to end up winning this tournament. But you never know with Augusta. Uh, there's a lot of holes that can bite you. Yeah, if Rory Rum and Scotty can just all go in the water multiple times and Noren's a couple shots back on Sunday, I, I think this ticket's got some legs. I like it. Spencer, you mentioned on a podcast months ago, on this podcast months ago, that you thought this might be the year that Tony Finau wins the Masters. Yeah. Are you sticking to that prediction? I bet Tony Finau this weekend. I guess it's changed ever so slightly to where who I think is going to win this year. I think the best wager on the board, though, from a value perspective, and unfortunately, I said these things, and normally I try to act on them. You were the smart one, Roberto. You actually punched a ticket on him. I believe you got him at 50 to one. Uh, I unfortunately uh, ended up getting a 29 to one number, which has moved a little bit, but I had anything above 22 to one to be proper. And here's the problem with my card. And, you know, guys, I'm not necessarily proud of myself with the way that I've built it this week. It's the masters at the end of the day. 
I know that's not necessarily the best answer, but this is a very high exposure, large risk, uh, reduced payout structure. I feel like anyone who listens to the show knows that I do not want this much vulnerability in this market that I've taken on this week. I wouldn't recommend this path every single tournament. And I do typically think it would produce a rather large negative EV situation, but a couple things I want to say to that. So one, we haven't, you know, a field of just 80 something players that will feature a handful of amateurs and past champions that are well past their prime. To me, that is about 17 golfers in this field that had literally when I ran my number, this is not just like hyperbole here, literally 0% win equity. They had, I mean, they negative on my sheet with the way I ran it. So, uh, <laughs> Zero percent to win that. I think two, the Masters is always an event that generates this highly predictive nature of expectancy. It doesn't mean we necessarily land on the winner by going this route, but we're talking about, you know, and you guys could give me a different number here. I would say 20 to 25 realistic options that can win this tournament. And then three, which would be the last point to this, I've historically been able to narrow that pool down even further by running back tests from past years. And then trying to find corollary stats in that sense of it. So essentially, and this is a long answer here, obviously, but essentially there were seven golfers that graded so far and away every other player. And there were some other names that fit the mix where I think they were decent bets, but there were seven players that I wanted exposure to. I uh, obviously can't get all of them. John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Jason Day, uh, Tony Finau and Patrick Cantlay. I ended up putting myself in a position where I'm about 0.4 units over where I want to be on an outright card. I bet Finau at 29 to one. I bet Xander at 29 to one. That number's unfortunately moved a little bit also, but it's the same spot as with Finau. Anything over 22 to one was value. I took Alex Norn at 340 to one. And then the wager that messed this card up massively and... I agree with what Nick said. There are ways that I ran my model where this player got down to six to one. And there were ways that I ran my model that he was more in that like seven to seven and a half to one zone. But I took Rory McIlroy. I got wow. eight to one on him. Here's the thing with that answer though. You can price shop at places. And I'm not saying you're going to be able to find better than eight to one right now, but there's a lot of shops out there that will offer boosts. Everybody is competing for every last dollar in this tournament. I've had people that I have given this play to that have been able to get them up to nine or 10 to one on specific websites. I'm sure bet three, six, five is going to have promotions throughout the week where you're going to have players boosted here and there with it. So it's one of those things where I would advise patience to everybody uh, shop around, try to figure out where it is, where you can find the best number. But essentially for me, I had about 11 and a half percent win probability for him. If I'm playing this on the safe way with that, that means anything higher than seven and a half to one would be needed to bet this profitably. But I just think if McElroy is ever going to capture the career grand slam, it has to come this week. Augusta is playing softer than it ever has because of all the rain. And then not only was he the top ranked golfer in my model when given that setup, but he was also the favorite in every upside iteration of my mass. So uh, that is a super extremely aggressive card. Like, I'm the type of person where I don't take sub 10 to one golfers. And if I take a sub 10 to one golfer, that is my card for me that week. But uh, instead of betting to win eight units, I bet to win seven units this week on everybody. So there's a reduction there 
Um, obviously, you can talk about what that does from like an implied win probability sense of my my risk versus my uh, actual win amount there. But like I said, I found three spots where I did have an edge. And I think there's only so many golfers that can actually win this tournament. And then Alex Noren is kind of the fun ticket for me at the end of the day. I like the conviction on the Rory McIlroy play. And of course, I love the Fina play. As you mentioned, I have it at 50 to 1. Sorry, I was muted there when you asked me about it. Um, so I've got the, the Fina play. And you mentioned with Rory McIlroy, the driving distance being very important this week with the weather obviously making the course softer and longer obviously will help him. Um, we know that Augusta made some key additions to the course where they made the 13th hole 35 yards longer. And last year they made the 15th hole even longer. So both par fives significantly longer this year on the back nine. And last year, I think there was no Eagle made on the 15th hole either. So that was the first time that happened in quite a while in the masters. So length really going to be a big deal. And also they cut the fairways walking from the green area toward the tee box so that the ball doesn't bounce forward as well. Uh, yeah, so against tough. against the grain there. Yeah, against the grain. So that all makes driving distance a bigger factor. Uh, with that being said, I've also got Xander Shoffley on my board. I got him at 28 to 1, but you can find him at 25. And I do endorse anything above 22 as well, like Spencer does. No weaknesses for Xander. Strong everywhere. Uh, he was cut here last year, but has a T2 in 2019 and a T3 in 2021 and five starts. He's also gained strokes both on the greens and on approach in each of his last seven tournaments. So I really love the form that he's been coming in. And he's first in proximity on approaches from 150 to 175 yards, which is a big deal this week. Everything outside of 150 this week is going to have a heightened emphasis. Um, and also, fun fact, Xander Shoffley leads the PGA Tour in consecutive made cuts. Everybody tied for second has 14 in a row. In a row but he has 20 made cuts in a row and his last missed cut was here at Augusta, but I don't think it's going to happen again this week. He's really strong all around. And I think he is priced just a tier or two too low. He should be closer to 15, 17 to one. Uh, but I wouldn't bet him below 22. Um, Colin Morikawa also just basically a system play for me this week above 25 to one in a major. I'm going to bet Colin Morikawa more often than not with a course that has similar that has, that has similarities to the Genesis Open and the Century Tournament of Champions at Kapalua in that they have wide fairways. It's a big emphasis on approach. I'll take the guy who's the best approach player in the world, guy who's finished in the top three on strokes gained approach each of the last four seasons on the PGA Tour, and he's second this year, gaining over a stroke on approach. And significantly, from 175 to 200 yards, He's ninth in proximity from 200 uh, to 250 or to 225. He's eighth in proximity. And from 225 to 250, he's 12th in proximity. So these are all key parts of his game that will be emphasized this week at Augusta with those sections of the greens where you've got to be on the right part. And also putting at Augusta has not necessarily been that important. And if you put it, if you put the ball in the right spots and you're two putting from 15 feet each hole, keeping yourself out of trouble i think that helps him out and uh also something that has that i was somewhat surprised about with colin markawa each of the last two years here at augusta he's gained strokes in all four of the main strokes gain metrics off the tee on approach around the green and putting each time so 
strong across the board. We know that he had kind of a yippy tournament in the century tournament of champions with chipping, pitching the ball on the last day, especially, but since then he's been much more solid around the greens. And I think that his upside on approach just gives him a chance in any major championship. Like we said, I also have Tony Finau and I also have a ticket on Sung JM. Uh, I don't love the Sung JM ticket as much, but it stayed about the same. I bet him at 40 to one. And I think there's a 41 to one out there. Uh, so that's my card for this week. I'm also going to be watching live as everyone else is trying to maybe add another play depending on if the weather gives some value, but I'm not going to try to predict the weather here on a Tuesday morning uh, for when it looks like it's going to rain throughout the weekend. That's the problem with my card, I guess, like just to throw it out there. I have so much built-in exposure to begin this week that I'm not going to be able to make ads at this point. And that's a decision that I made and I'm fine with it. Um, you know, I wanted Rory McIlroy exposure more than I wanted to try to wait in a situation. And and sometimes when that's the case, you just have to pick and choose your battles there of, of which route you're going to go with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think in the card that you built, it's a very advantageous way to try to be able to in-tournament bet. I always tell people, like, that's the best route to go about things, like whether it's a in-tournament head-to-head perspective with it or even just an in-tournament outright that you're talking about here. So uh, keep an eye on those markets if you do have access and you are betting this tournament. And I think it's a fun tournament to bet live because you can have guys go out there and post a 65 on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning and put themselves in contention. Uh, there are birdies to be made out here if you put the ball in the right spots, but you can also make some big numbers. So just an awesome tournament, an awesome tournament for viewing and gambling. And we know there's a, it's a really sticky tournament. A lot of the names that have success year after year continue to do so. Uh, so course form, very predictive this week relative to the average PGA Tour event. Uh, guys, what are the rest of your predictions for this week? Or what are the, be- what are the rest of your bets this week? Nick, I'll start with you. Do we have a hammer kid appearance down there at Augusta National? Ah, uh, I don't. Norin top forty is close. Um, we'll see. I'm going to sleep on it. Maybe we'll put it out there tomorrow. Um, it is my favorite bet, but I also um, don't have a huge outright ticket or outright card right now. It's Finau, Norin, Hatton, and Tiger. I'll probably get one more in there, but um, I think I'm going to wait live to maybe get something on Rory or Rom. Um, I do like Siwoo Kim over Mito Pereira. It is minus 108. Just going with the course history of Siwoo Kim, he's pretty much a walking top 40 here against a debutante in Mito. Mm, um, also like went with uh, Tyrrell Hatton top 20 at plus 190 for the same reasons I like his outright. I don't love his outright by any means, but I like the top 20. I think that's a much better way to bet on Tyrrell Hatton. I'm going to make a prediction here, Nick. I think the hammer kid is going to be banging on your wall all night with the Alex Norn play. <laughs> that will end up being the hammer kid play for you. I hope so. I mean, I, I, I think as much as I talk about Alex Norn this week and Spencer's with it too, um, we're going to just solely raise his DFS ownership just because of us, but I'm all for it. Everybody should get in on Norn. It's happening. Um, I did take one matchup, but I'm going to pass that over to Spencer. Cause I know that this originated from him. And when you see who it is, it obviously um, makes a ton of sense, but yeah. Yeah, All right, I'll Spencer, talk. Who is it? So I am going to take, and this number's been moving around. I think right now it's sitting at minus 110. Uh, Jason Day, minus 110 over Cameron Young. Uh, really, what this comes down to for me, and there's a lot to like about Cameron Young. I understand that. Like, if you look at the weighted total driving, he's inside the top five. He's inside the top five of my model for weighted proximity. There are problems to be had here. It's the second time playing the venue. The first time did not go well. 
Um, I mean, that's an understatement. You can go see what he shot last year to realize it was like kind of an unmitigated disaster for him, but there are problems with him. Like, I think he's going to be good at this course at some point throughout his career. Obviously getting Paul Tesori on the bag is going to be a help for him moving forward with the short game. I just don't know if we're necessarily there yet. I think aim point and express for him is going to get better. We're going to see the putter improve. I would like to think that from what we saw Tesori and Webb Simpson do together, you're going to see just the overall short game improve for him. But the numbers are really bad once we get past this, you know, prerequisite of distance. And sure, distance is going to matter. It's a wet course and all those factors that you talked about, Roberto, they come into play here. But I don't think it's the only answer at the end of the day. There are problems to be had if he doesn't hit his driver and hit his irons to that high end level. He's outside the top 50 in my expected around the green performance. He's outside the top 70 of this field. When we talk about the weighted putting, he hasn't historically been great on fast bet grass surfaces in the past. He's 79th in my model in strokes game putting over the last 24 rounds. Uh, the sand save percentage has major problems. Like, you know, there's going to be some situations where he's going to have to play out of the sand. That has not been great. And then the scrambling for me was outside the top 55. So I'm betting on a profile here and it kind of goes back to the answer that I always give. I'm trying to take on an opponent, but I also had a matchup against Jason day who my model thought was a top seven player in this tournament for safety. You can make the argument that safe and Jason day don't necessarily coincide with one another with all the ailments and issues that seem to arise here and there. And it's going to be cold at Augusta. I think that might be a negative thing for day and for tiger. And unfortunately, I have uh, had head wagers on both of those two players, but I'm just picking and choosing my spots of who I'm trying to fade here. It's not my favorite head-to-head wager that I've ever given on this show. If I was to power rank them, probably would be very near the bottom of it. But there is an edge on the number of what I have, and there was enough of an edge for me to talk about it on this show. So I'm number grabbing in that spot with Jason Day. I think that makes a ton of sense. And Jason Day has been so consistent so far this calendar year. Uh, I think that's what you want from a player that you're backing in a matchup bet. Spencer, do you have any other bets on your cards for this week besides that, uh, your other matchup and your outrights? Yeah, so I don't know if it's still available right now. This was on Bet365. I took Brooks Kepka to miss the cut at plus 333. Uh, my guess would be that number's probably moved uh, just because I, I think there was a ton of value on that price. That was like one of those situations where Brooks got severely steamed throughout the space up to these numbers that I saw him 25 to one to win this tournament, 30 to one to win this tournament, depending where you were finding it. I'm not necessarily buying it. It doesn't mean he can't find success, but I still think he's a volatile golfer at the end of the day. And then I have three placement bets that are at least, or three placement bets on uh, different players. There's a couple more than three here, but I took Alex Norin to come top 30 at plus 240. I took him to come top 20 at five to one. And then I took him top 10 at 14 to one. So I'm following Nick on that. I bet Terrell Hatton to come top 20 at plus 190. I think there's just a boost in this number because of his comments from last year. He talked about how much he hated this course. Uh, this was a trash course that wasn't a good fit for him. So um, when people hear that, there's going to be a boost in the market that's given where people don't want to play him. So I'm going to try to capitalize on that. And then I'm taking a very similar mentality with a golfer that there's injury concerns about. The recent form doesn't necessarily look great, but 
I've historically have trusted him in major championship events, specifically when we talk about venues becoming more difficult. I took Matthew Fitzpatrick at plus 145 to come top 20. So uh, that's my card this week. It got much bulkier than I was expecting it to be. When I initially started putting this together, in my eyes, it was going to be a female outright and maybe leave it at that. And like, I didn't know where I was going to go with the head to heads. Obviously, I lose some of my edge there because it's easier to make the cut in this tournament than you would get on a normal week just because, I mean, it's top 50 in ties from an 80-something person field. So I would say roughly 60 to 65% of the players in the field, depending on what the ties end up being there, will end up making the weekend. But um, it loses a little bit of the luster on the head-to-head front for me. But I don't know. I mean, I found some plays that I like this week, and I'm obviously a ton of exposure to Alex Noren. If Alex Noren can win this event, it'll turn into one of the biggest tournaments. But Come inside the top 10, and that'll be a nice three-unit swing in my direction, too. So a lot of similarity between you and Nick with uh, Norin and Hatton as well. But unfortunately, we are going head-to-head on Matt Fitzpatrick. I have him for 30th or worse in the player uh, markets at bet365 for minus 120. And it's just been rough for Matt Fitzpatrick this calendar year. He's lost strokes gain on approach in six of seven tournaments, only one finish of better than 28th in that whole span. And he's made seven straight cuts at the Masters, but only one top 10. So at a course where the course history is somewhat sticky, that is somewhat of a red flag that a player of his talent hasn't gotten there yet. But although you can really argue that he has taken a step forward in the last year and a half, to become one of the more elite players on the, in the world. Uh, so he hasn't had that sample size at the caliber of player that he was last year. But last year, only lost strokes on approach in two out of roughly 25 track tournaments. And this year, he's already done it in six of seven. So something's clearly wrong. When I was covering the Dell match play a couple weeks ago, he just didn't look like himself. And he lost at least two two matches, if not all three in his group. It was just a rough go for Matt Fitzpatrick. I think it's a big, a big ask for him to get in the top 30 at roughly even money. So I'll fade him. But if you want to go for upside, I'd rather have the top 20 that Spencer bet than the 29th or better in the placement market at that 365. Yeah, I think he beat Minwoo Lee uh, in that second match of match play there. But uh, you kind of worded it best, Roberto. It's a boom or bust situation at the end of the day. And my numbers see it that exact way also. It's not a situation where I'm running these numbers and it's like, oh, wow, Matthew Fitzpatrick is this golfer that's some can't miss prospect this week uh, for his chances. But when I ran it for upside, he becomes a top 12 win equity option. Mm-hmm. When I run, ran it for safety, all of a sudden the wheels start falling apart for him. So um, I think it's one of those situations where both wagers make a lot of sense. It's just what side of the aisle do you land on? And I tend to land on the side where he's going to perform this week, but there's different iterations of my model that I'm running it from the same data where you can get both sides of the answer there. Yeah. It's unfortunate that his health hasn't been where he wants it to be. And hopefully he gets there sooner than later because he's another one of these tremendous players who makes major championships so much more fun with all these guys in the mix. And the masters has given us some crazy Sunday afternoons and hopefully we get another one this week with all our guys in contention. Um, Fellas, any final bets before we go to rapid fire? No, I think that's it for me. Bring it on. 
All right. The Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. All right. Who is the most likely player to win a first major this week? Nick, you first. Tony Finau, right? He's never won a major. Correct. Let's go. Spencer? I'm going to say Tony Finau because I have a wager on him, but to make it different, I'm going to say Patrick Cantlay. All right. Who is the live player with the best chance to win this week? Taylor Gooch. Joaquin Neiman. Ooh, okay. Um, who has a better chance of winning this week? Scotty Scheffler or John Rahm? I'm going Rahm. I think it's very close between the two. I will say Scotty Scheffler. Uh, who has the better chance to win this week? Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth? JT. I will agree on that. Wow, okay. Um, who has a better chance of winning this week? Max Homa or Victor Hovland? I like Vic. I have concerns when it comes to Homa's ability to actually win this golf tournament. It's kind of like the maturation process that I'm talking about. Homa might be in the spot now after going miscut, miscut, uh, slight crack into the top 50 there last year. I could see him competing. I don't know if he's in the spot right now where he can actually win though. So I'm going to say Victor Hovland. What number would you guys need to bet on Sam Burns outright? Um, 80. I would probably take less than that. I, I think Burns is an intriguing choice for this tournament. I considered trying to find a way to back him. Um, what's the best number that you see out there right now, Roberto? Do you have it in front of you? I see him at 41. I would need higher than that. But I mean, if you could give me somewhere in the 50s or the 60s, I would be intrigued. I got him at 56 right now. And I know some sharper books out there like him so i i think for me it's more of a dfs guy i don't think i could bet him out right but yeah I, I would need more than 56 despite my number saying i need 56 personal vendetta against sam burns <laughs> he's only won you like a million bucks two weeks ago yeah but he it was one of my heaviest bets i think on this show last year was the the debutante bet of sam burns and that one stinks and he missed a cut on the number so not very happy with saying i think he three put twice outside of alex norin who do you like the most at longer odds? So let's say 90, 100 to one or longer. I would probably say Taylor Gooch. Damn, you took my answer. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just go with my boy Siwoo Kim. Uh, to win outright, who would you rather have a ticket on at 50 to one? Corey Connors or Hideki Matsuyama? Oh, Hideki all day. Yeah, like it's not even close for me. Hideki by a million times. I am completely out on Corey Connors this week. Can I change my 100 to 1 answer to Keith Mitchell? Yes. I'm going to go Georgia boy at home, home game. Um, finally got back to Augusta. Going to be a little Keith cold, Mitchell. perfect for a cashmere sweater. His That's, skill yeah, set. It's what does he do with the visor, though? Does he wear the visor if it's 50 degrees on Saturday? Yes. I feel like you got to you gotta yeah, consider well. wearing a beanie. I know? think I was wearing the visor when it was like hailing sideways at Pebble Beach a few weeks ago. So I think right. he'll be wearing it this week. All right, I think that's just him. I think Keith Mitchell is legitimately at this point. I know it's not going to show up in the official world golf rankings. I think he's legitimately a top 20 golfer in the world with his skill set. Oh, he's right. great. Might have to take another look at some Keith Mitchell markets this week. Um, Tommy Fleetwood or Shane Lowry this week? Lady. Ball Fleetwood striking for Jesus. me also. Yes. Justin Rose or 
Matt Fitzpatrick. Fitz. All right. Fitz. 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 All right. I'm taking Keith Mitchell pod play 120. Okay. Right now. Like I've it. seen him substantially lower than that in some sharp markets. I'll throw that yeah. out there. I just want to see what I have him at real quick, real quick. I got him at 91. So That's more of what like the going rate has been for him at some of these sharper books. Yeah, give me Killer Keith. Who would you rather have a, an outright ticket on this week? Bryson DeChambeau, Louis uh-huh. Oosthuizen, or Abraham Answer? I guess Abe. Give me the youth. Yeah, I'd probably give the same answer also. Like, I've always been intrigued by DeChambeau at this tournament for all the obvious reasons with him. And I used to think that at some point he's going to put it together, but he's been so bad here. And now he's not even like, I mean, I know I keep going back to the same answer with these live golfers, but I don't know where they're at. And Bryson has not looked good. So I will say Abraham answer. Among the shorter knockers in this tournament, who do you think has a good chance or a chance of winning the tournament? Ooh, Spencer, I know it now. What's your answer? I'm going to go with Tom Kim. So he's got Ricky's old caddy on the bag. Um, Spencer talked me into this earlier, just everything about Tom Kim. But I like that Ricky's caddy has a ton of success here. It's Joseph Orkin, I believe. Um, don't know how to say that name. So if you do, Roberto, please do. Uh, but I'm going with Tom Kim. I think that, you know, a month ago, maybe two months ago, this guy was probably 40 to one in the future just because everybody was on Tom Kim. I know this course is, you know, demands long play, uh, especially long iron plays, but I think Tom Kim can uh, navigate his way around that. His caddy is Joe Scavrin. Scavrin. I say support. I butchered that, man. Uh, Scavrin. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. But yeah, Tom Kim as a short porch guy will be my choice for the outright. Yeah, I, I want... I want to say he's the only player that's inside the top 20 of my model for win equity in this tournament. Um, I'd like to give a different answer not to go with that. I think Tom Kim would be my answer there too, but I, I guess to be different, I'll say Seamus. Okay. But, but it's really Tom Kim for me. So um, <laughs> I, I think Tom Kim is getting disrespected in all these markets. Some people have mentioned that Tom Kim has had success on the PGA Tour at a lot of places where a certain Webb Simpson has had success. Uh-oh. So maybe as one guy's out the door, another Webb Simpson enters the chat. Uh, we'll see We'll see how Tom Kim does. I think it'll be really interesting. I, uh, I knew I liked him for some reason. I just couldn't put a <laughs> finger on it. How about among the first-time winners in the Florida Swing? Would you rather have a ticket on Kurt Kitayama or Taylor Moore this week? I think the course fits Kitayama a little bit better but the public is all on Kitayama, especially in the placement market. So makes me want to go more, but I, I just think Kitayama should find success here, at least get through the cut line. I don't necessarily like either. They're 53rd and 54th in my model. Um, I guess to be different, I will say Taylor Moore because I don't really see a massive difference. Obviously, Kitayama has more potential. Like he is, I think the event that Kitayama won is a much better event than the one that Moore had just won. But um I don't necessarily think either are going to win. So like to me, it's neither, but I'll say more. Do any of the senior tour players or amateurs, if you had to bet one of them to make the cut or to win the amateur grouping, who would it be? I'm going to go Sam Bennett just because the whole world's on Gordon Sargent. He drove um, the ball along yesterday. Now everybody loves him. I know he's the number one am in the world too. Um, I mean, maybe he's great. I just... I can't imagine anybody goes a different way with that bet than Gordon Sargent. So I will go Sam Bennett. 
did you say that this includes the veterans on yes. the um let's say bernhard yeah remember when bryson DeChambeau said augusta was a par 67 and then bernhard langer went out and beaten that week um, yes it, it was it happened um bernhard langer just so consistent um cam smith or jason day low australian i i think i know everybody knows where i'm going on this i will yeah. say jason day i will too but i don't love him I, I will say this i don't know that i do necessarily either as much as like i keep going on and on about this he is inside the top 10 of my model i don't love the cold weather for him uh we just saw at the match play that things can go south for him very quickly still we're not over some of those issues but um I also don't necessarily trust Cameron Smith either. So I will say Jason Day. Guys, any final thoughts before we say so long uh, from Augusta this week? No, I mean, I'm trying to think of something that might be exciting of, of a way to close this show here. But like, unfortunately, Augusta is very straightforward with the predictive nature of what to expect like as funky as I like to get with the stats and as wild as I try to get with the way that I compile my data here, it kind of is what it is at the end of the day. So I hope that Tiger can be healthy enough that he is, I don't know what is in the thick of things for him at this point, but you know, if he could come top 20 where he, you know, he's enough shots behind to where he was kind of competitive. I think that would be, amazing for the game of golf so that's what i am hoping for nick what's your ceiling on tiger this week a win uh, i think right? he finished i think he finished top 10 if he can navigate his way around the course be fine with the slope and everything walking it i know he's in much better shape this year than he was last year i saw enough at the genesis to to know that he could still play with these guys yeah the rain hopefully cooperates with tiger woods it's not too cold uh, would hate to see him have to be out on the course for 12 hour days, uh, depending on delays or what, whatever the situation may be, but hopefully it works out and he puts together a really strong performance. Been a big week for Cardinal golfers. Uh, Rose Zhang won the Augusta national women's amateur last week, which was a blast to watch. Uh, Patrick Rogers had the lead after 54 holes at Valero before Corey Connors eventually won. Maybe Tiger Woods can get something going this week. Guys, this was a lot of fun. Where can the people find you? this week uh, with the rest of your content really quickly before I give that answer, you're talking about Cardinals here, uh, Stanford Cardinals. That is, I I've been looking at all those pictures behind you. Is that Plunkett behind your uh, right shoulder? That is indeed Raider legend. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Raider legend. Let's go. <laughs> uh, no, to answer your question though, Roberto, I've been staring at that the whole show. I don't know what took me a year <laughs> to figure out everything behind you. I've been kind of like gazing off at everything that you have in the background there, but you can find me on Twitter at T off sports. I am going to be doing a podcast very shortly with Chad Millman and Simon Hunter uh, over here on action network. So be sure to tune into that. We'll talk about some of my favorite plays. You heard some of them here. I'll go a little bit more in depth on some of those there. And then, yeah, I will have an article out tomorrow, hopefully for a first round leader play uh, to talk about the masters. If there's any head to head wagers there though, but uh, if you're not doing so already, be sure to follow me on Twitter at T off sports and you can get my model there. If you don't have access to it already, Nick, how about you? Yeah. Uh, typical at better golf pod on Twitter. You'll see Spencer and I show more of a DFS angle there, um, but also got on the action network podcast, uh, yesterday with uh, Sobel and Evan, I think it was a 
very informative. Evan had a ton of cool stats. I'm half the time when I was just not talking, I was writing down notes because I was learning. So it was a very fun show. So if you guys get around, it was only like 25, 30 minutes. So definitely check that out. And uh, thanks to the Action Network for having me on there. And thanks to Jason Sobel and Evan. It was a fantastic show. But no, uh, let's hope Tiger gets in the top 10 and makes Sunday interesting. I think that's what everybody would like. Maybe a Rory Tiger last grouping would be TV heaven. So let's, let's go for that. <laughs> that would break golf. If you have them in the last group, I, I think that the ratings would beat anything that's ever happened in golf history. So if that if that is what ends up occurring, uh, golf is so back. So you can also find me at RobertoA213 on Twitter. I'm also going to be on a live show tomorrow, The Gimme with Jason Sobel. And then I'll be on Green Dot Daily, uh, I believe, Thursday and maybe also tomorrow. Uh, so you can check that out on the Action Network's YouTube. And there's also live links out on Twitter whenever those are going on. So be sure to check those out. Tons of great content. You can always find us at actionnetwork.com. Go over to the golf tab. And we're just going to have a ton of content throughout the week from everybody. Uh, a lot of great picks recently. We've had people on Corey Connors. We had on our show uh, Sam Burns two weeks ago and then Taylor Moore. So tons of winners here at the Action Network. And we're going to try to keep it rolling here at Augusta. So that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Links and Locks presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring Jason Sobel and Ben Everill as they quickly ran down their top plays for the Masters Tournament. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. And thanks again to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah, Sophia, and Matt, who do all of the real heavy lifting Thanks again for tuning in, and here's to hoping you hit the green at Augusta. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.